This episode of IGN's Watchlist is brought to you by Lenovo. Lenovo, smart technology for all. Awe and salam alaikum to episode 10 of 1 million of IGN's Watchlist. I am your host, Zaid Gil. Alongside a triumphant duo of nerds, starting with the Kerbinator himself, Kerbin Kluter, the nerd from nowhere, Shadley Desai, and the third wheel on our usual trio of nerds, Shamiz Patel Papathanasio. I don't know what it is with the three of you prioritizing family life and work and all of this stuff. And I'm the one, I'm just holding the fort down. It's like I'm I'm here. Time of the only thing that stops me is a national electric grid. You're going to live a sad life and want to escape it at any opportunity. <laughs> yeah, guys, I need you. So but, but, but most importantly, Fifta Rankis for your compliment of an upsa for getting the intro right. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well done. Yeah, use, use holding that one in because there's only like two of us, you know. It's sometimes, I think, sometimes I think Kevin has like a list, right? Of. of of com- of compliments, <laughs> I've got compliments to throw my way when these things um, happen like they're supposed to. Um, but yes, we're all here for iGen's watch list where we tell you what we've watched, what we're watching, what we want to watch, and we do it once a week, every week. We'll also maybe dig into all the news of the world of movies, TV, and streaming, and maybe answer a few nerdy questions along the way. This episode was recorded on the 23rd of November, 2021. And we begin with some sad news, kind of related to Shamiz not being here. But I thought before we even, before we even get into the movie of discussion this evening, uh, we just need to point out that Shamiz, knowing that she wasn't going to be here, chose violence. She's the worst. Just chose violence. And then she wants to put it on the back of you, the IGN Watchlist listener. So she tweeted yesterday that if she gets 10 likes to the tweet that she puts out, her nomination for this week was going to be Twilight. Knowing full well, <laughs> knowing full well the reputation of that movie, that she herself doesn't like it. And if she says she likes it, she's a liar. <laughs> right? And knowing full well the reputation of the people on Twitter who will do anything to see other people hurt. Yes, to see to see me personally, especially <laughs> get hurt. She chose Twilight as a movie, but we are honorable men, honorable people, and we won't uh, try to. We didn't try to change your mind or anything like that, but we just needed to point that out that under protest, we are allowing her to nominate Twilight. I, I would like to say that this is a war crime. That is triable in the Hague. And that next week I will be unavailable for reasons. Shadley <laughs> already playing the long game. He's like, I'm not watching this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna watch this movie. I I'm going to I'm gonna use one of those excuses that they just mentioned now earlier. <laughs> Got family responsibility I, or work commitments or something. I will I will watch this movie and I have, I have prepared myself mentally. And physically, and by physical preparation, I mean I went to the bottle store this weekend and I got a, I got a <laughs> lot of booze. So I'm going to drink my way through that damn movie if it comes up. And I, and I know these people, they're going to make us watch it. The it's going to win by a landslide. We know this. Like It's going to be like some 70% win rate. So <sighs> Must be accepted. Well, we'll, we will put our nominations out for um, after once we, we're done discussing the movie of the week, which is The Harder They Fall, a movie that I selected. And I have to say, and I just I just disparaged the listeners like not 10 seconds ago. So I'm like, I'm like a politician. I'm constantly flip-flopping on the people. But I have to really thank the people for standing behind me on this nomination because initially it was Kerbin with red, with red notice. With, with red notice, 50, yeah. 54% lead, like an overwhelming lead. And I was like, oh, okay, well, Red notice, whatever. And then, like, as a, as a joke, because I did it last week with Cargo, as a joke, I was like, hey, people, vote for the harder they fall. Pick a movie of substance, not this mediocre action flick. 
And I don't know what happened. It's like a hell of a turnaround. A hell of a turnaround. I'm, 30, I'm fe- 38% to 34% ultimately. Mm. I will say I am very grateful to the people that voted and swung that vote because it, sa- it, it saved me. It saved me <laughs> from, a, from a rather mediocre time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm happy that people didn't vote for me. I've, I've seen both. And yeah, but yeah. <laughs> people yeah. made the right decision. Yes. People, did, they, uh, they made a wise choice. Shadley, you, you did see it. Have you seen Red Notice? You did watch it. Yes, uh, I, I, I haven't finished it. I was just kind of like, oh, what Just fell off it. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, look. It's just, not a terrible movie, but it's a movie that if you look at the people involved, you just like, you, you expect, expect a bit more. more. Like, just like, a yeah. bit more. It's like they just they just did okay. Everyone came on, everyone came on take the day and said, guys, let's just give let's just give our very okayest. That, yeah. that's, that's, that's what yeah, it's it was like, actually it was very disappointing because like I, I always say this about The Rock. He's a very for me, he's a very interesting celebrity, right? Um he is the most famous person in the world right now. He's got his social media following dwarfs anybody you can think of. He's had multiple, multiple highly successful movies, uh, movies that have um, come in at a particular budget, and they've all been successful. They all, all doubled or more than doubled mm. their their, um, their budget. So he hasn't had a dud yet. And I'm, I reckon, just based on, um, it's a bit different figuring out if a Netflix film has been successful or not, but. Based on how often I'm still seeing it in the top 10 well, and so they, on. Netflix themselves are saying it's had the biggest opening 24 hours of any original movie they've ever released. So, I mean, okay, so then they considered it a hit, right? But I just mean in terms of box office, it's, def- yeah. it's, not, it's not one where you can it's say, not, oh, it made $30 million or yeah, whatever. Not, there's no one-to-one comparison, really. Yeah, right? But he's interesting in the sense that even though all these successful movies, most famous man, um, and all his success in whatever, he doesn't have a classic film that you immediately identify with him. Like if you talk about... Walking Tall. Like, no. <laughs> that's a, and that's a remake, right? But like if you the say... The Rundown, come on. His so, shoulder so tackles a house. <laughs> his shoulder tackles a house. <laughs> yeah, but, but don't you find that an, an interesting thing? If you think about superstars in the past who were, who were on his level, Right. The, the rocks of the 1980s or whatever, right? So Sylvester Stallone, easy. Rambo, Rocky, easy, right? I mean, you can even pick a few others, but there's, a, there's classic movies you immediately associate with him. Bruce Willis, Die Hard, easy. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator, Conan. Uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Commando. This is like, mm-hmm. you just automatic, oh, this is, it's obvious, right? But if I tell you, it's like, Name me, give me the name of a character that The Rock played. The Tooth Fairy. <laughs> and even then, even then you had to think about it. <laughs> so it's just, I just find that fascinating um, as far as his career is concerned. But well, yeah, the like, most famous character would more than likely be Hobbs in the Fast and Furious uh, franchise. Yeah. They'd have to be Hobbs. Um, and he, he he revitalized that franchise. <laughs> so no, I would say did. that's, that's probably that's probably this famous famous character. His 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 name carries a lot of weight with it in terms of like pulling power. People like him. He's charismatic. He's enjoyable to watch on screen, and you kind of know what you're getting when you're watching a movie with a rock in it. And that's kind of what we got here, except just slightly toned down. I can't really put my finger on what it is, man. I I, I want to say, because like the thing with him was, is, is that he's always very involved in the production himself. Mm. Right? Uh, this film was produced by his studio as well. Um, seven, seven, bucks, seven bucks. Yeah. Seven bucks or whatever. So he's always very hands-on in terms of that. So it's just, he's funny for me that it just, it just didn't work somehow. I've enjoyed every movie of his that I've watched, Right. I love San Andreas. I think that's a great movie. Rampage, that's a great movie. Uh, and the, once you mentioned earlier, like even Walking Tall and um, the, rundown. Uh, the, the Rundown. I genuinely love The Rundown. The, no, The Rundown is fantastic. I think no, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. I think that's on Showmax as well. But just, 
I think this for me personally, this is like the first movie of his where I'm like, yeah. But the, my problem with this movie is is that it's not bad. That's my problem because I can't exactly hate it because it's not a terrible movie. It's just not a great movie. I, I think it falls into that mediocre valley where it's like, it's just average. There's nothing special. There's nothing that stands out. It's just average. I will say there's one thing that impressed me about that movie and it's literally the opening like 15 seconds because it does this really cool shot where it sort of blends like a digital shot where it comes in, in the city and it basically pans through the city right up behind a car and follows the car and then the rockets out. It's a very cool cinematography shot right there. It's, it's done super well and I, I couldn't even spot the actual cut between the It was very well done. And yeah, that's, that's probably the last time I went like, oh, that's very well done in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I will say though, I also did find... Um, uh, I did find Gal Gadot's character actually like she. She I, she's not known for her range. Yes. Right? <laughs> to be to be fair, right? But I could what? at least see. <laughs> but I could at least see in this film she was trying to do something different. Out of the three of them, her character is probably the most interesting out of the bunch. I would say, um, yeah, it probably has the most, like you said, the most. I don't want to say depth, but you know. A, but, but it's mainly because of the mystique she brings in the role. You don't quite know who or what she is most of the time. And I mean, we don't even actually know her name by the end of the movie. Yeah, it's just the bishop, it. yeah. It's yeah. just the bishop. I think she looked, she was she was having fun with it, if not. Yeah, she was clearly having fun with it, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, but you know, we're not actually here to talk about red notice. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> we're not, not actually here to talk about red notice. We're here to talk the about week, the good stuff. The movie of the week is The Harder They Fall. The Harder They Fall is a 2021 American revisionist Western filmed by James Samuel, who co wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. I hope I said that right. Uh, the film stars Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beats, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, and Dion Cole. And a few others. Um, it is a western, as I mentioned earlier, and a fun one, but also a bit underwhelming. In uh, my opinion. I was, I was, I was, I was, I know it was my selection, and I was like really hyped to watch this movie. It, I actually, um, I was going to watch it regardless of what was chosen, but I did actually wait for the. Um, for the vote to come through, and then I watched it uh, once the vote actually happened, and I think I think maybe I ruined it for myself. Do you know what I mean? There's this thing sometimes when when you read all the reviews and you're like, "Oh, this sounds interesting," and then you start hyping it up in your head. And I waited, and then I watched it, and it was like I didn't not like it, but I was slightly underwhelmed by what happened. Nah, I love this movie. No, I'm starting to forget. Do you want to hear No, like, this movie. No, no. I, I, I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. I'm not saying it was a bad movie. I'm you saying I, I crippled myself because I, I hyped it. it I hyped it up too much. You hyped it up. That's your fault. Mm. Yeah, it's that's all on me. That's not the movie's fault. Your, exactly. Don't put your nonsense <laughs> on the movie, yeah? So the just, movie was superb in my opinion. This is, that oh. opening scene, that opening scene, right? Like, there's this, like, when you see actors, like, just, like, just acting the shit out of something. And it's not a particularly complicated scene mm. or whatever, right? No, but that opening is... scene was like, I was like, wow. And there's no, like, action or yep. anything like that. It's purely hinging on the performances of the actors in the role and and the use of the the director's use of the camera you know what it reminded and I was, me of I was it reminded it reminded me of the scene in uh in Glorious Bastards in the um, when they're all sitting around the corner they're sitting with the Nazis busy eating the table and they're counting and yeah they're it did, did have a similar vibe but it yeah. reminded me of that it was just like this undercurrent of you know you know something bad is about to happen to somebody and it's just like this back and forth tension. And I, I loved it. From that first scene right to the end, I loved this movie. I, I loved like how the, that scene, that opening scene just sets the tone for everything. And like one of my favorite things about this is Idris Elba, who, is, who plays Rufus Buck, who was a real individual 
you know. Um, he actually doesn't. What sorry, which was have... Rufus back a real person? Everybody yes, in this movie is a every, real. Every character, every main character is a real. Is a real individual. I know, just because in the, the beginning of the movie it says yes. So they said they said no. They said in the movie, the beginning of the movie, it says that every every character in this movie is real, but the story isn't something like that. So yeah, the, oh, the story okay. is fictional, but the, the, story the, the, the characters fictional, existed. But the characters existed. The characters oh, okay, okay. Real. So Cherokee Bull was a real person. Everybody and Matt was, Love was a real. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm with you. So, I'm with you. So, so one of the things like I really liked about his character Rufus Buck is the central antagonist of the story. Um, spoilers: He kills the uh, Matt Love's father and mother in the beginning in that scene. And he actually doesn't say, he doesn't vocalize, he doesn't um, articulate a lot in the film, you know, compared to some of the other characters. But his presence as this villain and sort of that weight behind it is just carried through from that opening scene. You know who he is and what he's capable of. And it's just, that is just like well-crafted cinema. Can I start a petition that Idris Elba just plays bad guys from now onwards? Like, oh yeah, I'm, if you look at um, what's it, Hobbs and Shaw, mm, he had so much fun playing the bad guy in that. It's like, can this guy just stop? Can people all going on about Idris Elba as James Bond? Just stop that nonsense. He can be the James Bond. He can villain. be the James Bond villain. Yeah, <laughs> he can he's, be the villain. He's fantastic. Like, and that takes nothing away from like the rest of the cast because. I think everybody brings it here, yeah, but I think yeah. out of everybody, like some of my favorites are definitely Regina King is yeah, she fantastic. Owns, she owns this movie. She is. A, what's a treacherous Trudy? Yeah, treacherous yeah. Trudy. Yeah, treacherous Trudy. Oh, gosh, just... Gertrude. But she prefers <laughs> treacherous Trudy. <laughs> she just like dominates every scene she's in. Mm. She's fantastic. And she improved a bunch of it, apparently. Um, she. I did not know that. She, that That's that, even the, more impressive. The, the entire scene where um, where Nat Love comes in for the showdown, where he comes into the city at the end, the town at the end, and then she meets him and she takes his horse and she gets him with the horse and, you know, Rufus is inside. Apparently, Idris Alba was unavailable for something. He was supposed to do that whole scene with Nat Love and he was unavailable. Oh, okay. So Regina King was just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and she basically improv that whole thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, like the basic plot, just if it wasn't clear from what happens, right? So, Idris Alba is Rufus Buck. He's the primary uh, antagonist. I, I hesitate to call him a villain, mm. but, but he's, he's got also his, a villain. He's, got but, he's a bad he's, guy, but he's got his reasons. He's the, he's he's the got, primary. It's, it's got a nice little twist to, to complicate his character, I think. And, so, he's and the primary, primary antagonist. antagonist of the film. And as we said in the beginning, the opening scene of the film, he comes to uh, Jonathan Major's house um, but it's like a flashback right so jonathan majors is eight ten years old maybe 11 comes to the house he kills uh john majors father and mother in front of him and cuts a cross scar in his forehead and leaves him doesn't and he doesn't strike me as a man who is afraid to kill children right yes but leaves him yeah. alone and just buggers off. So this lighty is alone there. His mommy and his daddy was just super murdered. And he has no idea why. Right? And so then the movie flashes forward. And obviously, uh, in typical Western fashion, uh, Nat Love, who is Jonathan Major's character, grows up. And he's basically dedicated his life to finding the people who killed his mother and father. And to get revenge. And in the process of doing that, becomes an outlaw himself who robs other outlaws. Uh, which includes people associated with the Rufus Buck. That's the basic premise of it. And then throughout the course of the movie, he gathers his team, Rufus Buck gathers his team, and then it ends, because it's a Western, it ends with a big shootout in the in the town and just chaos and whatever. I mean, uh, the, there's, there's other little plot threads in there as well. Um, they're not particularly well put together in the sense, but it's not actually important. Those plot threads are more there to like, give you a sense of who these characters are, if you know what I mean. Um, but just everybody's just bringing the A-game, man. Like, everybody yeah. understands mm. who the character is. And it's like, I'm playing an archetype, but let me just add a few more layers. Let me just, mm. let me just add a few more layers. I was, like, particularly impressed with Lakeith Stanfield. Like, this bra... He's superb. This, this, oh, he's so good. <laughs> this bra, right... 
every time I see him in something, and uh, whether it was in Get Out or, or in um, what's that film that he was in, man, with a where he becomes a telemarketer. Oh, thank um, you for calling. Thank you for calling. Fantastic film. Like whatever it is, I see him in. Right, he's always giving more than the role actually requires. Do you know that? But like, like he really thinks about. What this role is, it's like because it could easily just be a, okay, these are my lines. I need to I need to convey this emotion. Okay, and then I can leave. It's like nah, there's there's more to it than that. He, he gives a piece of himself, like, and you know, he really puts himself into the role, and that's it's always like it just adds so much more to the character. It's, like, like so I, this, I loved, I loved. Um, his character with Jericho Ball. And like the way he carries himself, it's just, he's such he, a he, fantastic villain. He's like in, in that movie, film. right? His whole, his whole vibe in that film is, it's like, you know what? This is my job. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm a criminal. This is my job. He's like, he doesn't ever give off the sense that he's enjoying what he's doing or that he hates it. He's just like, yeah, this is, this is my job. I'll try to get through it with as little fuss as possible. Uh, if I need to kill a bra, I'll kill a bra. If I don't, that's also cool. But if you think about what happens to the movie, out of everybody on Rufus Buck's crew, he's probably the most villainous out of all of them. If you look at the things he does and what he does in the movie. Yeah, but that, they that's, all have a bit of an honorable streak to it. And he's but that, that's like, why I say for him, it's, for him, it's not like, um, like even like Rufus Buck is the primary bag and he does some, like he's, a, he's not a good person, right? But everything is motivated by something. Cherokee Bill is almost like, like I was like said earlier, it's like, this is my job, man. It's like, this is what I get paid to do. I need to do this thing to be able to survive, to uh, carry on with my life. I understand that I am a black man in a super racist society. And this is the only, only, only successful role for me to go forward. And I, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then that's what he does. And it's just, I love it. It's just, it's just really good. I also really enjoy this whole thing of like, he's got this reputation, like his uh, whole character is that he's a, a quick draw artist. He's a, he's a gunslinger that he's like in a, uh, in a, 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 a duel, in a face-off. He is like the fastest guy in the West. And he really couldn't be bothered <laughs> right, that he has this reputation. And he's not like, um, like uh, uh, what's the other main character, the other character's name who constantly um, wants to challenge him. Jim is, Beckworth. Uh, Jim Beckworth. Beckworth, yeah, right? So Beckworth is always like, yeah, I'm the fastest and I'm going to get this Cherokee Bill and I'm going to show I'm the fastest. And meanwhile, Cherokee Bill is like, ah, if I shoot him early, if I shoot him in the back, ah. <laughs> it's all, it's all <laughs> the same to me. It's all the same. <laughs> it's going to get the job done. <laughs> it's like, this is the... But after admit, as, as good as the, the cast was, all around, everyone was great, especially Jonathan Major singing. That was actually quite superb um, in the role, but as good as the cast, I've got to give props to James Samuel for what he does in the movie, the actual direction. The director, yeah. There is some superb direction. That actually, yep, op yeah. the opening scene where they just reveal the credits with Jonathan Major shooting the dude as the credits appear one, one word at a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was superb. And then the actual, <laughs> the music drops in the, throughout the film because the, the film was co-produced by Jay-Z. Mm, um, mm. and, yeah. and And James Samuel, I literally discovered like about 20 minutes ago, is the brother of Seal, the actual singer, Seal. Kiss, and he's kiss a, from a rose? <laughs> yeah, that's Seal. Yeah. He's, he's, he's quite an established um, musician himself. I, I, I'm sorry, I refuse to believe you. Seal doesn't have family. <laughs> <laughs> he has no parents. He has no children. He has I no, think no, no, be very no <laughs> Those kids are adopted. He came into existence, <laughs> right? As a musical icon, and that's where it stopped. So I don't know. Maybe adopted this guy's his brother, but they're not really brothers. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's so you can see the music influence because he's he's quite an uh, quite an accomplished musician himself. He's won some awards and stuff. And the actual musical choices throughout the movie was just just it's contemporary music. And what it does is because it's not just the music; it's the the choice of dialogue. It, it gives us very that's what they call it the revisionist western. Because it's not a traditional thing. The, the way people speak is much more modern with that contemporary music. It gives us a whole flair and all flavor. And of course, you have to mention the fact that it's an, it's essentially an all-black production. Um, mm. And they they really push that. Um, it's part of the storyline that, you know, that these are 
black characters and the things they went through. So, and they really angled that with the, the, the black, American black culture um, that, that comes through very strong in the movie, even though it's a Western. I was, I was surprised at how, I mean, not to say that it wasn't there, right? But I, I was surprised at how little social commentary there was. Yeah, they. So I, not... I kind of expected there to be more of that, and I think, look, that's a, I think that's a failing on my part because it's kind of like when you see a film with a predominantly black cast, produced by black people, with a black director, all of that stuff, you you always expect, oh, it's going to be like a Spike Lee joint, you know? It's it's going to be some kind of social commentary, and the movie has a little bit of that, but it was also kind of refreshing to just have. A Western revenge flick, and just everybody was also just happened to be black. Um, yeah, it's like I, if you think of classic westerns, classic westerns are very, very white, like exceptionally white. And it was basically just like like James Samuel going, "Well, let's have our own version of that." I mean, those classic westerns that were so so very white, they weren't trying to push an agenda. They just happened to be very white, so they're like, "Okay, let's do the same thing. Let's give people that." look like us, some Western heroes on screen, they do the things other white heroes used to do. And I loved it. It was, it was really cool. How did you Talking like about, okay. I was, I was it? I was just going to build on like, your point about like Westerns, like the classic Westerns that we know, it's, it's like you say, they're very white, but it's also a very slow burn. There's like yes. a very low energy yes. to it. Everybody has this expectation that they're these high octane shootouts with mm. chases, and they're not. They're very slow burn dramas which build to like this one moment, you know. And this kind of by creating this revisionist history, it creates like this whole energy that, that makes it feel like it's moving and it's just got. Like, it doesn't feel like a slow movie. I mean, it's but like two like hours. I disagree and, and with movies. you. I I thought it was a pretty slow-paced movie. I didn't I didn't count it against Well, it, I agree with Shelly in two versus one, so we win. So, yo, yo, your opinion's <laughs> null and great. No. I think, I think, I don't think it's not slow, but I think it's well-paced. Yes. You know, yes. it's it's not like you feel like you're being dragged back and you, you're forced to take every little detail in. It's kind like, of it moves. It just even moves. yeah. Even when there's no 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 one shooting each other happening on screen, there's always something interesting going on. It might be a character moment. It might be a, like I said. I mean that that scene with Jonathan Majors singing, just like touching little scene. It might be something like that. But it's always something that's happening that keeps things moving forward for me. And and I felt that was great. Like you said, it's it's well paced. It doesn't have action throughout, but I thought it was well paced. There was one, just one thing about the movie that I didn't like. Um, but it's also I I I wonder if it was maybe unavoidable, right? So we we spoke earlier about Regina King, who's just I, I you know if she gets a, a, some kind of nomination for this part it will not surprise me at all right but so she plays uh treacherous trudy and then we have zazie beats on nate love side um playing stagecoach what's her name stagecoach mary. stagecoach mary right they all have these fantastic names so i just felt like it was a little bit tropey that, 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 the two, that the two women were gonna <laughs> Face like off. each each gang has like the they come to they come to, look okay that was obviously deliberate right because obviously like we said it's like Pickett and uh, Cherokee Bill and then uh, Nate obviously and Rufus Buck and so then it's like the two ladies but it's like they they didn't have to do that man like Regina King was so freaking capable in that film like if you see her doing her stuff and whatever and though they didn't really give Zazie beats. Um, too much of an opportunity to actually show what Stagecoach Mary can do and what's on. Just from a vibe, you were like, this is a lady that can take care of shit, you know, if she needs to. So I was like, did they like have to have the two ladies go go at it? Like, we could have mixed it up, man, you know? Well, if you look at the end of this movie, if there's, if the, if there's a sequel that comes along and James Samuel has that he does, yeah, sort of plan it out, then yeah, then we're going to see some of that. But but obviously, look, then it's just going to be the two of them again, you know. Because, well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, look, I, I would I would watch a sequel. I, I would watch a sequel, but I kind of don't want him to make a sequel because I also feel like 
you feel like it can like, stay I, with ease. I feel like and, it can. Uh, like, like some happy. films, You'll some films should just be it's that film, and then, yes, then it's I do the agree. Story is done. Right? I do agree. Um, I don't want the franchise. I want this to be exactly. a one movie. Yes, you want it to be a standalone, and it can just exist on its own and be great. I'm not against. I'm not against another um, western of this type. You know, like mm-hmm. focusing, mm-hmm. focusing with the all black cast or even a, a Native American cast. I think that would probably maybe even be more appropriate or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I'm not. Gonna, I wouldn't say no to a sequel because more Regina King. <laughs> who can who can say no to that? She just really is that good. But yeah, I felt like the story kind of like that was the story and. And there, and it's been told. If if there was to be a sequel, I'd actually prefer it to be a prequel to kind of see what made the characters who they are. That's what I would I, like to see. I'm gonna say no because I am tired of prequels. I, I just want <laughs> to say that he's getting super old because in the last few weeks I've heard him say, "I'm so tired of this in a movie. I am so tired of that in a movie. I don't think this guy likes movies anymore." <laughs> you, you actually you're right. Like, I hate I'm movies. Tired of this. <laughs> movies are the worst. But in the last week, I hate. I'm getting real tired of movies that are what that are told out of something out of sequence. Told um, out of sequence. Like, yeah, that's. Uh, I hate. I'm tired. Can, can I, I just have a video I, I hate these damn kids and their <laughs> movies. <laughs> I need to put the shop into a old man tomorrow. And you're probably gonna do it, Ness. Like you got nothing better to do but find pictures of me. And, I have and, lots to do, but I will make time. To do it. <laughs> Even worse. Um, but can we, also, can we also talk just briefly about what is this woman's name? Um, let me just look it up quickly. Danielle Detweiler as Kathy. Yeah, she was great. Oh, she was what a fantastic. character. She was great. And I'm even more impressed now that I know it's a real that like this character of Kathy was based on a real person. Yeah. Um, so just quickly for those that maybe don't know, right? So the character of Kathy is a um this woman who in the beginning of the like when she's introduced, she's basically like the the bouncer. At, at Stagecoach Mary's saloon. That's like her job. It's her job to stand at the door, like tell people to check their gun in because you're not allowed to bring a weapon into the saloon. Um, and she's this really small, diminutive woman, but she dresses like a man, right? And so someone like says, yeah, aren't you like a little bit small? I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. Aren't you like a little bit small to be like standing guard at the gate? And then she like says, that's kind of the point because people see me standing here and they don't suspect anything. And then somebody, just as soon as she says that, somebody obviously rocks up, doesn't want to give up their weapon, and she kicks the shit out of them, <laughs> right? And she was, like, just great because she she doesn't look like or even really act like someone that is should be able to do the things that she do. Um, and I really like the fact that, like, when the action is happening, she's clearly very capable. She knows how to use a gun. She's killing bad guys left, right, and center. But she's also not like twinkle in my eye. I'm so amazing and just like slow mo shooting stuff. Like she's clearly scared, slightly panicked, but I know what I'm doing. Um, and that's also something that I kind of miss. Like the the last great actor to kind of like action film to like do something like that was like Die Hard, like the original Die Hard, where you had somebody who's like, I've walked into a situation that I'm not really too happy about. But I've been trained to handle it. I'm going to do the best that I can. And they like come through on their, on their wits and their skill or whatever. But they're not like just, what's it like Neo marching through, <laughs> marching through agents or something, right? They're like, shit, this is a messed up situation. And I really need to pay, pay attention to what, there's no glibness to the character. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like what's mm-hmm. happening? Like shit is exploding, guns are shooting everywhere. And they're just like, ha I spit in death's eye <laughs> kind of stuff. She was just really good. And I like also that, uh, like, spoiler alert, she was the one that actually took out Cherokee Bill. Um, and because he basically killed everybody by shooting them in the back. <laughs> like, really fucking dishonorable guy, right? And she's the one that, that, like, takes him out. And, like, that was, like, really, really cool. Um, I look forward to seeing her. You know, maybe if they were going to make a sequel, I would I would maybe even want to send to that movie around Kaffee. Um I don't know. That's just me. You, yeah, that's a good point. But Jonathan Majors is still good, man. <laughs> like, I I liked her because she kind of brought like this this realness down. Like that's 
kind of what a, a real person would do. Like, shit is going down. You need to survive, but you still scared of shit, man. Like, you still like, I can die out here. Like, <laughs> yeah. get do... me out of here quickly. Like, let's just get out of here. Um, I, I realize now when Kevin actually mentioned like Jonathan Majors, like he's the lead. <laughs> I haven't even really spoken about <laughs> it. And I, I don't know if that says, uh, like that actually speaks highly to how well everybody else is performing because he was also like really good in this movie. No, he, like, he's, he, he carries like a charisma about him. He's very lovable. You know, he's actually like, I, I thought he was very lovable as a character. He's got like this honor about him. He's trying to, to, to right the wrongs of what happened to him, you know, mm. but he's, he's got this charisma and charm about him. He's always cracking a smile, even if he's being beaten up, put thrown in jail or whatever. He's, he's just, he's so much fun. You can he's see actually like the Jonathan. Opposite. He's like the opposite of what I was just talking about with Kaffee. Yeah. He's he's, like, he, he has a lot of fun with it. And he's like, I think to a certain extent, he's the kind of character that's like, He's going to kill Rufus Buck or he's going to die trying. And you know what? He's okay with that. Yeah. I did think it was interesting though, um, because at the, like, at the midpoint, well, not the midpoint, at like the beginning of the movie, once he he, um, he kills one of, the, mem- one of the, the, um, Rufus's gang members who was actually at the murder of his parents. Um, and like once he, he does that, he's like, okay, I'm done. My revenge is over. Because at that point in the story, Rufus Buck is actually in prison. And his attitude is, that's okay, right? For a person like that, being in prison for life is actually worse, and I'm okay with that. And it kind of like, he only, and you can tell, man, by his whole vibe, it's like, no, he's genuinely okay with that. And it's only once he finds out that Rufus has been busted out of prison that this calling comes back to him. It's like, no, like, justice needs to be served. I thought justice was served when this guy was in prison. Now he's out. I can't leave it alone. Um, and then he like springs into action. But Jonathan Majors is like, it's like nobody was looking for Lovecraft Country, which is the first thing I saw him in, right? And I think that's also probably the the show that got him attention, that people started paying attention to him, Right. And he like really just came out of nowhere and now he's everywhere. And I'm just really into it because he's, he's not just, he wasn't just good in that role, man. It's like he's subsequently obviously been in Loki as um, probably Kang. I mean, he wasn't outright named that, but it's, it's Kang the Conqueror. And he, 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 he didn't just repeat his performance from Lovecraft. He like crafted a character. And the funny thing is, is that that character is to all is dead and he's going to return as a different Kang, and I know for sure he's actually going to be playing this person in a completely different way. Um, and then, of course, now he's been in this, and he's amazing, and it's just, he, so, he seems to do all this stuff so effortlessly, like, like he's not really working at it, he's just really good at it. Lovecraft Country is not the first time I saw Jonathan Majors. It was actually The Five Bloods, the Spike Lee movie, and he's yes. superb in that, but the problem is, in he that is. film, is that Dalroy Lindo gives the performance of a lifetime in that film and overshadows everybody else, essentially. Mm. But Jonathan Majors is really good as Dara Lindo's son in that film. He's, he's, he's bloody good. Um, that's actually the movie where I noticed him first because he was just among this cast of really seasoned actors and he was this young guy and I was like, who the hell is this guy? You know, they put, Spike Lee puts him up against his heavyweights mm. and, and he holds his own. Um, and that's the movie I saw him in at first. Uh, but like I said, which is unfortunate, he got overshadowed because Dalvin Lindo, Lindo got robbed at the Oscars. Like, <laughs> I, robbed, have, I haven't seen that movie. I need to make a plan, actually. Look, dude, uh, it's, 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 un, it's uneven, um, especially the action stuff. You can see Spike Lee is not an action director. Um, it, it falls short in that regard, but it's worth it just for Lindo's performance. He acts, he's ass off in that film. And the fact, like, it's amazing how when that movie hit everyone who walked out of it went like just give this guy the oscar like just just stop wasting time just give it to him right now and then i don't can't even remember if he got nominated or not it's like he just got ignored completely so it's worth it just watch it just for that performance alone i mean he plays this disgruntled ex-vietnam black guy who's now turned into a trump supporter 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a really weird role, complex at all. So um, look, I think ultimately, like I said, I I, um, I expected a better movie when I started watching it, but that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. I really did enjoy the movie. I think, like I said, the performances, there's, not, there's no weak performance in this film, even from like the bit parts, right? Everybody is understands what the assignment yeah. is. Damon Wayans Jr. Deliver. just rocks up there randomly for yeah, a scene. Yeah, that's just good. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, just, you know who surprised me the most actually is Dion Cole. Um, yes, who, so I only, I, I only know him from from what's the sitcom um, from Blackish. Blackish. As, yes. uh, I forget the character's name, but like that character is a buffoon. Yes. <laughs> right. And I've seen him and he's, I've seen him do a couple of, uh, he used to work on uh, Conan O'Brien's uh, talk show as a writer and sometimes performer. And he's like, was just pure sketch comedy and stuff. And he's not someone that I would have pegged um, to have any kind of acting chops, if I'm, if I'm being honest, especially not the character, especially not the character that he played. It's also like so funny when he's introduced, right? Uh, because he's like the mayor of this, the mayor and sheriff of this town that uh, Idris Elba's Rufus Buck actually owns the town because that was a thing you could do in that time. And he comes back to town and then they, they frame the scene as if they are having a conversation, right? But his character is just talking to himself and he's all badass and he's like, I can be sinister too and you need to take your ass out of here, whatever. And then they show, no, he's just talking, he's just hyping himself up for this conversation that he's going to have that he's really not prepared for. Um, but yeah, just, I didn't, I didn't expect that performance. And speaking it. of towns, we have to mention the white town. Oh yes, that was brilliant. <laughs> that that was really well done because that was like a literal white. So, yeah, so they go to a town. They're gonna rob a bank in a town, and it's a white town. They call it, but they literally. Mabel was because, the name of the town. Yeah, yes, that was white because it's not just people that are. Everything is a shade of white. Even the horses, the, the horses are all white. Everything the buildings is painted white. Okay, the people, the but, people at least had clothes. Um, no, but, but even the like, clothes are also like muted like, colors. Like, yeah, just, muted colors. And then yeah, Jonathan Majors and uh, and and, uh, and was it Zazie Beats goes with him? No, it's Cuffy. No, 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 no Cuffy. The two of them come into town to the and it's like these are these people obviously don't belong. <laughs> yeah. But but that's that's how well crafted this film is. It's like he uses that like white background to like draw like your attention to them they stand out so much and that's yeah. essentially what yeah, well, a it's like cowboy would have been like in, yes, in that exactly. day it's like look it's obviously absurd right because i mean it's highly unlikely that i'm not saying that they wouldn't have painted all the like in the old western town that the buildings <laughs> wouldn't all have been painted white but like Everybody's wearing off-white colors. All the horses are white. I mean, it's, it's highly unlikely. But it's. I think it's like... It works in the, the context only, of the film. It's it also does. probably it the, only, really well. the only real explicit social commentary that the film is making where it's like, it's absurd, right? It's just, it's absurd that these people are supposedly different from everybody else. And when you look at it in that, the way you like shot that sequence at the and then even inside, like outside the building, so white. The, the sand isn't like that. It's like white sand in the town. Inside, all the shop fittings and stuff is all white. The words is, okay, the words probably the only things, uh, like the signage is, is written in black ink, whatever. But I'm almost certain that they had white frames. And it's just so white. And it's like, this is ridiculous. It's like, just the idea of this. But I, because you don't expect it, because the movie's like, it's a, it's not a comedy. It's a, it's a series <laughs> <laughs> when they go to the start, so I burst out laughing. Like if you had done it in any other film, it would have been like, oh, stupid. But, but it, like I said, it works in the context because the the, the, the film is not it's not like this grim real film. It takes a bit of it's a bit of hyper realism if you want to call it that. And the way the mm. violence is shot mm. and the violence is very over the top Tarantino West kind of vibe. You know, they they do they do have this hyper realism going. So. It works in that film when you when you suddenly get presented by this absolutely ridiculous scenario like this, and it really does work well. I loved it. Fantastic. I think I think even the scene in the bank when they go to rob the bank and she says she wants to make a withdrawal, and like the customers and the tellers like laugh at her because it's such a ridiculous notion for that time. Like of this a black, black woman person, coming into a bank wanting to make, to make a withdrawal who doesn't even have an account there it's just it's ludicrous 
Fantastic. Yeah, it was a, it's a good movie. Um, we, IGN, reviewed the movie. Um, Hannah Innes Flint reviewed the movie for IGN. She gave it a 9 out of 10. I think that's fair. Good job. Hannah. <laughs> that's good fair. Job. Um, Hannah said The Heart of the Four both subverts and embraces the Western tradition with some spectacular shootouts, slick dialogue, and a top-notch ensemble cast firing on all cylinders. Add a rollicking soundtrack to all of that, and you've got a fun, suave modern Western that smartly places a black narrative squarely at its center. Yeah, I agree. Like, Hannah is 100% on point with that. Um, yeah, it was a good movie. I'm, I'm glad. I'm actually really glad that I that the people turned that one around. <laughs> um, and yes... I, I, I always feel like I'm gonna like like this this piece of knowledge haunts me every day, mm. and that is like yes yes a random piece of knowledge regarding Lakeith Stanfield who you admire. Do you know his brother's name is Legareth? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, these people. These I'm people. gonna I'm gonna have to Google that and then. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna Google it. I'm not gonna Google it. I'm just Legareth. gonna accept that fact as just accept that as is. And just move on with my life because my brain will melt if I think about it too hard. Listen, I read somewhere um, that Lakeith Stanfield has actually put it out that he would be very keen to play the Joker. And, I would be down for that so hard. And I look, I think like a lot of people have played the Joker, right? And at first I was like, like before it, it was like that he um, mentioned his interest. I was like, I really don't need anybody to play the Joker again for the next 20 years or something. But I think this bra would just, he would just kill it. He would. I think it'd be he, great. I, 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 I honestly think that just, if the, you get the right director with him, there's every opportunity that you will get a third person winning an Oscar um, for playing the same character. And this is without having seen I haven't even seen him like in cosplay or something like that. But just based on his resume, I think he would bring something exciting and new to the character. Um, and it would also, I would also love to piss off white supremacists. So that's also, that's also a win. <laughs> that will win. <laughs> Every day you can I, piss off a white supremacist is a win. It's a good Weirdly, day. I was going to say weirdly, I think about that Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode where he's in. Yeah. I don't know if you remember where he's I, being interrogated. I do not. I need to watch it again. Like Brooklyn Nine Nine is like it's a show that I really enjoy, but everything blurs. All the jokes blur <laughs> together for me. He's really good in that episode. Like he's fantastic in that episode. Like watch I'm gonna it. look it up. And I think I think like there's something in there that can like bleed into the Joker. You do know who's probably going to play the Joker next, right? What the rumors are saying, which is like your ex true. your experience doesn't give me hope. No, it's actually a pretty solid pick, but it's a pretty solid pick for a more traditional Joker again, essentially. Um, so the rumors, and uh, nothing has been confirmed, but the uh, rumors are that Barry Keown, he's the guy ah. from Druid in Eternals, and he was in, uh, yeah. in what's it, Dunkirk, and so on. He's got this creepy vibe to him that you can kind of, you can buy it. But like a I said, terrible choice, but... Like I said, it's it's a. Yeah, I think he's a he's a good choice, but I think like Kurt said, he's he's very traditional kind of Joker. He's probably going to be a traditional. I I would love for them to do a a, a version of the Joker from that um, uh, what you have designed. It's um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo designed the one that slices off his own face and then wears it as a mask. Um, the, yeah, because that's a new fifty two. It's yeah. a new fifty two design. 52, that. That yeah, that's, so, that's a, that would because that Joker is creepy as hell. And it's I could it's see like the most Barry Cohen doing that. It's, it's like a terrifying vision of like the Joker because yes. if he can do that to himself, like what's he gonna do to you? Yeah, I would love to see that Joker on screen, not just a buffoon, but someone who's actually scary. Yeah, but you see again, then I actually think like Keith Stanfield would probably do that better. No, you could. Like, you could. like if you if you're talking about that specific iteration of the Joker, I think Lakeith is probably Actually, like just just I think, think it's slightly back because Barry Keown just looks creepy as hell, just as himself. 
he looks <laughs> he just looks like a dude I wouldn't trust. <laughs> like, now nah, he was he was actually very good in Eternals. He was. Um, he I, was. I thought he was. He was I, probably I him. There's a reason why um, the thing that you hear most often when people yeah. speak about Eternals is they talk about Druig and Mukari. And Mukari, yeah. But, and I mean, they have very little. If they on screen, that movie is two hours and a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's like two hours thirty or something. If they in if they on screen, their combined screen time is. 15 minutes, 20 minutes at most, it's a lot. Um, but they are just, they've got great chemistry. He is, he is a presence. He's probably going to be a big deal in, in time to so come. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but yeah, that's the rumors. But the looks of that was the harder they fall. That was uh, the selection <laughs> for this week. So uh, what are our nominations for next week? So just to reiterate, as I mentioned at the top, um, Shamiz has selected Twilight. Um, you are not a nice person for doing <laughs> that's this. That's a movie, right? We've actually kept our selection secret because we don't want her to know until <laughs> we actually mention it, right? So I've already said to, I confirmed with her before the show started. I just messaged, I said, listen, uh, just to confirm, right? I know you picked this movie, but we you, since you're not going to be here this evening, I just need to double confirm, like, is Twilight your movie? For nomination, and she, just joking. and she replied with, "Absolutely, <laughs> this is what she wants." And I said to her, "I'm going to defeat you because I've got. I think I have something that might be able to beat that. It's it's still gonna hurt us. <laughs> I think it will. No man. <laughs> but in any case, so what I'm gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a three count. We're gonna say one, two, three. And right as soon as I say three, just say the name of your film." Right, and then we can, we can see because it will be calculated if you open. That's not. Wow, there's no way now any of you guys pick my movie. If you did, it's. it's I don't know. Yeah. I, I refuse to believe. I it. I have like a very obscure choice because of like my viewing choices for like I, the next little while. So. I literally picked a trash film and an old trash film that has been on my list for ages, and I was like. If I'm gonna put, if she, if she's gonna pick trash, I will out trash her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so here we go. Okay, you guys read it. Okay, okay, three, two, one. The Amazing Spider-Man two. <laughs> 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 what did you say, Shirley? Amazing Spider-Man two. It's the only one I haven't seen. Okay, good reason because it's horrible. Kevin, <laughs> okay, what did you say? Night Rider 2000. <laughs> no, oh my why would you pick that? I told you, you I'm bro. going to out trash her. <laughs> right? And I didn't, did you guys hear what I said? That is, no. no. I said the notebook. Oh, screw you, man. <laughs> what? Right? I figured. Wow. Okay. I, I'm tell you, you, I'm a, you I'm a justify it. Was, I'm a, I'm a justify it. I'm a justify it. Right? I'm like, look, right? I'm not going to just let her come here. I'm, gonna, I'm going to go to war. Right? I'm going to pick something. Like, I get where you're so coming from. Right? I get it. But I'm like, no. I need to find a film that I actually haven't seen. And it needs to be something that could potentially beat Twilight. And then I was just scrolling through films. I looked, I looked through my actual watch list and I was like, there's nothing that I have on my actual watch list that these people are going to select over Twilight. And then... Somehow, the notebook appeared, and I was like, well, you know what? If I have to watch a movie <laughs> where an entitled white guy basically bullies a woman into marrying him, right? A pedophile, basically. Stalks her, right? Stalks her, ruins her emotionally for everybody, and makes her completely emotionally dependent on him, then the very least I can do is I can watch a movie where that happens, but the acting is solid, <laughs> and the cinematography is of high quality and there's at least quality dialogue as well. So I picked the notebook. Uh, the, the journey's out on that quality dialogue. <laughs> right? Have you ever seen in I mean, look, it's all, it's, all, it's all relative, my friend. It's all relative, right? I, I, I really should have saved 50 shades for this week. To like <laughs> really, like really throw it in the blender. Look, I, I, look, I, I mean, I, look, I, you can change notebook. your selection, eh? No, I'm, now, I'm gonna go with Amazing Spider-Man too. I wanna, I wanna save some other stuff for, for better, for better weeks. The Notebook has got Rachel McAdams in it. I'm a huge Rachel McAdams fan. I've seen this movie long time ago. My wife will love it to watch it again. So, ah, that, that's fine. 
But I just want to say, whoever wins between Twilight or The Notebook, whoever wins, the rest of us lose. <laughs> Look, so guys. Congratulations on us suffering next week. Also, I, I, I but am yeah, not here. Night Rider 2000. Night Rider 2000. That's the worst thing you're ever going to see. Huh? Where did you find that? How? How did you find So I, I I saw it coming onto Netflix. Um, I was going through the, the list of movies that appeared. I've never seen this. So this Night Rider 2000 was a movie that they made. In, in, and it was supposed to be the start of a spin-off of the Night Terror TV series. It was a made-for-TV movie, and it, it, it tanked. So they never actually made the spin-off series. So they just have this movie on its own with Michael Knight introducing a new person. And it's been on my Netflix list for ages, and I was scrolling and scrolling, and I forgot this thing was there. And I saw this, and I was like, this now. It's, it's your time, Michael Knight. <laughs> now is your chance. <laughs> This, this is your only hope to get a shot of <laughs> like that, that that could potentially that could out trash both Twilight and the notebook it's the half it has on. the capability to be worse than both look I, 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 worse than both. <laughs> I went to watch me and my wife went to watch the notebook when it came out in cinema and we went I think I'm trying to think when this movie came out it was like 2004 Four or something like that. Like it's early two thousands, right? So I remember it was the first time that we were going out after we had our second daughter was had been born, and so we probably watched. I don't even think the characters had met yet in the film, and my phone buzzed, and it was my mom, and she's like, "No, this child is not dealing with you. It's not being around. You just have to come home." And so we left the cinema. So I think I saw the opening credits and maybe a couple of lines of dialogue. So that's all I know about the notebook. And then I can remember in the intervening years, it was like, oh, great, romantic movie, so awesome, whatever. And then obviously the narrative has slowly shifted against it as time has moved on. Um, but I've never seen the movie. Um, that movie's not romantic. It just makes people cry. That's <laughs> all it does. <laughs> Either, either because you're drawn in by the by the the story yes. that's telling, or you yes. realize what's really going on exactly. in the crowd. Exactly. So yeah, that that's my choice. We'll see how that goes. But Shadley, you also taking a hell of a risk, guys. <laughs> basic Spider-Man Two is not. So, so so basically, like I watched this YouTuber called Totally Not Mark, and he's like reviewing everything Spider-Man up till the release of Far From Home. So I'm going to do like a, my plan is to like rewatch everything, like just go through all the Spider-Man stuff, essentially. Okay. Oh, you, Look, you, you should also watch Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm uh, going to do the animated anything. series, which is also on Netflix. It's really good. And I'm and going could, to, and I'm also should. going to play the Spider-Man PS4 game for the first time. So I'm very excited. You are in for a treat, my friend. That Forget is... all of that nonsense. Forget all of that nonsense. That's that's subpar quality. You need to get to the real peak Spider-Man entertainment. Oh, yeah. What's the <laughs> Japanese Spider-Man? Oh, yes. <laughs> when he brings out, what's it? The, the, what's it, what's it, the, the, the um, Nick Leopard? Um, Lip, uh, Liger, Lepidon. something Liger. Yeah, Leopard yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That that's, is, that's peak Spider-Man entertainment, dude. That is that is that is high quality, the highest quality is that, of it. Is that available anyway? Uh, they are outside no, of YouTube. No, there's not. Yeah, they, they're, just a few, they're just some episodes I've seen up. People uploaded to YouTube, but you can't get it streaming anywhere. Like but Disney really you, needs you to move to, on that. You you have to dig very deep. To, to I would watch that. the hell out of that if it was made available for streaming somewhere. <laughs> really you know, I mean, you probably know this already because you were a huge freaking nerd, right? But you you know that like that's that Japanese Spider-Man show is the reason Power Rangers exists. Yes, yes. It's, so, it's basically they just copied. Yeah, so it, the it was the start of the um, the Sentai the, period. The Sentai period, yeah. So. That made it, that popularized that whole thing, and uh, and they they, they copied that. Heroes. Yeah, watch the episode, the Power Rangers episode of the toys that made us. They explain it. Yeah, they, very well. Uh, I actually knew about it. I can't think where did I learn. It wasn't from that show. I'm trying to think where I learned this. Like where, I don't know, but maybe Wizard Magazine or something. I can't also remember. But be that as it may, guys. 
Thank you so much. It was fantastic as always sitting with you guys, having a chat about the art of the fall. It's always liquor when we get to watch a film that's actually good. <laughs> it's, it's actually a, a rarity on, uh, <laughs> on this show. Because, um, because next week we're going to suffer oh, again. Yeah, look, it only, only really happened once before, right? Where we watched like a really good movie that was Midsummer, right? Otherwise, we tend to watch trash or mediocre stuff. Right? <laughs> I can see it now already. And that, that like, we always say it always starts the thing with episode 10 of 1 million or whatever. If we ever hit episode, episode 1 million, million <laughs> I'm still going to have flashbacks of that crappy what's that damn movie called um <laughs> kissing booth, kissing booth three. Three. i'm still gonna have flashbacks it's still gonna you know what uh, you know what we'll do no guys i'll tell you you know what we'll do now if we ever get to episode one million we re-watch the kissing nope for the last episode nope <laughs> I, I, will, episode. I will be resigning <laughs> episode 999,999. <laughs> guys thank you so much thank you so much for taking the time out i appreciate it um if you if you didn't hear our nominations for next week are um, I selected the notebook, Kerber selected Night Rider 2000, <laughs> Shadley has picked the Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, but inevitably we we all expect that we will be watching Shami's selection next week, which is Twilight, yes that Twilight starring Robert Pattinson and Kirsten Stewart. A movie where a lady has to pick between pedophilia and bestiality. Yes, it's, that's just the choices that she was made with. Sometimes these things happen in life. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Tati yala, Mikey's. Thank you for coming. Tot scenes.